And so Romans chapter 4, in fact, let's go to verse 20. Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. The Bible reads, and he, Abraham, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in his faith, strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, God would perform. I want to read that again. The Bible says that Abraham did not waver in his faith through unbelief. The Bible says that, that he was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that whatever God had promised, yes, that God was able to perform. In fact, let me give you one last scripture. If you go over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And, and here's what you need to know about Hebrews 11, verse 6. We're not sure who the author of Hebrews is. Hebrews talks a lot about faith, but it doesn't really define faith as much as it describes faith. And what many call the, the hall of fame, if you will, is where we find some of the greatest believers in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse 6 Hebrews 11 and verse 6 but without faith it is impossible for him to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him without faith it is impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to talk for the next few moments about faith today. In fact, here's my title for the message, Building Faith for Better Days Ahead. Building Faith for Better Days Ahead. You're going to hear me say it 20 times. You got to believe that better days are ahead. You cannot for one moment feel that your best days are behind you. You have to know that if God brought you through the flood, the winds, the storm, the rain, through the anxiety, the stress, the haters, the doubters, the naysayers. If God brings you through sickness, God brings you through all type of challenges and, and turmoil. You got to believe and be convinced that your better days, in fact, your best days are yet ahead of you. And so I want to take the next 15, maybe 20 minutes. And I want to talk about how do we build for better days ahead? How do we build our faith for better days ahead? Let me give you a start just for a quick moment. You got to believe one thing. You got to believe that not only is God is, but he is a rewarder. You have to believe that not only is God God, but he's a God that will reward you. Let me try it this way. You got to know that God not only is able to do it, but you have to believe that God will do it. It's one thing for God to have the ability to do something. But do you believe for real that God wants to do it for you? And so today, how to build our faith for better days ahead, building faith for better days ahead. This morning's objective is one, is one, and it is very simple. I want to encourage every one of you to build your faith for better days ahead. To build your faith for better days ahead. In fact, let me give you three areas of building faith. Number one, we want to build faith for family success, strength, and salvation. What do you mean by that? Family success. Hear me closely. Let's talk about home. All right, we can talk about business, money, jobs, careers, future endeavors, but let's cut to the chase. How do I have a successful family? If I'm single, being sold out to the Lord. If I'm married, my marriage, if I'm married again, my second marriage, I have a blended family. 
How do we build success and strength in the home? And a lot of that comes through salvation. Number two, faith for financial security and financial increase. I can't wait to talk about that today because I want you to build faith, not just to sustain you through the COVID-19 season, but how do I actually increase in all of this? Number three, faith for future moves and future opportunities. Future moves and future opportunities. I know the world looks bleak. I know it is seemingly very, very intimidating. But if there's ever a time to buy low, now is the time. If there's ever a time to invest while the market is low, now is the time. And I'm encouraging every one of you to invest in the dreams of your future, the aspirations of your future. Invest with time, with talent, and with treasure what it is you're believing God to do in your life. As we yet navigate through these unprecedented times, unmatched moments, and uncharted courses, the entire world, as you know, is yet still on this governmental global pandemic shutdown. I don't want to, I, I, I really don't want to spend a lot of time on the pain of this season. 50,000 people have lost their lives in America, somewhere related to COVID-19. Uh, 25 million people are, are without jobs and will be without jobs uh, tomorrow morning. Of course, we're still looking at the devastation of death and darkness and, and, and destruction in the land. And so how do we grapple and how do we navigate and how do we make through these times? They say that, you know, the next major wind will be, will be the mental illness challenge of distress and disparities and depression. These aren't easy days for you and I uh, to live in. But one thing's for sure, this stay-at-home mandate has actually taught us some things that we really never thought we'd know. In fact, I think it is interesting to, to share this with you. During the stay-at-home mandate, uh, uh, of course, here in North Carolina, it has been extended a little longer. We are learning to adjust to what we call the new normal, right? Social distancing, working from home, homeschooling kids. But, but perhaps there are some unique characteristics. Perhaps there are some unique uh, traits or qualities that's coming out of this season we thought we never had. Some of us are learning how to cut on hair. Didn't think we could do that. Some of us are learning how to shave our head. Didn't think we could do that. We're learning how to clean our clothes. We're learning how to cut our own grass. We're learning how to do Zooms and video phone calls and conference calls. We're doing more chat. I've heard people say, I'm cooking more. Didn't know I had it in me to cook. There are certain qualities and traits and things that are happening. Less travel, less in-person meetings, less shopping, thank God. But this season is bringing some things out of us. In fact, this past Thursday night, and I want to just put a plug in for Thursday night service. I really want to encourage, I'm a little concerned that I don't see more people logging in online to hear the word on Thursday nights. And I understand not everybody has a laptop, not everybody has Wi-Fi, not everybody can get to our Thursday night Bible study. But please hear me, 7 p.m. every Thursday night, we are opening up on time, and it is a powerful time of prayer from our intercessory and praise, excuse me, and our prayer team. But then right about 7, 15, 7, 20, we go straight to the word of God. And I'm praying that there's a word that you can feast on. You can apply something relevant to your life. And I'm a little concerned that I don't see more church members hearing and following along in the word of God. We put a task force COVID team together so that every family member of the city church can be touched, can be ministered to and cared for at least once a week. It is my vision and it's my admonishing to you. Be a part of a small group in this season. We don't want you to be by yourself. 
No man should be an island by themselves. No couple should be an island by themselves. No teen should be by themselves in this season. Yeah, it was easy that first week or two, but now we're going into week number five, week number six. Those walls start caving in a little bit, right? Folks start getting a little cabin fever, right? And we want you to stay holy, stay pure, stay committed to the things of God. And nothing can help ensure that even more than the word of God and the fellowship with the saints on Thursday nights. This past Thursday night, we looked at Psalm 46. Our God is our refuge and God is our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. I think you would agree with me today that, Pastor, we're seeing some very troubled times. We're seeing some very uh, disturbing times. But God, the Bible says, is our refuge and he is our help. Therefore, we shall not fear. Listen closely. The Bible goes on to say, though the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea, Though its waters roar with trouble, though the mountains shake with swelling. Doesn't that sound like today? Who would have thought that an entire world would be shut down? Who would have thought the major industries of the world would come to a halt? It seems as if the mountains are swelling and the, the mountains are shaking. And, and it seems like only God, not man, God, not government, only God could have gotten our complete attention. Someone said, it's almost as if the whole world is in timeout. Think about that for a moment. I like to say it this way. It is almost as if we are now understanding the value of a Shabbat or the Sabbath day. I was rehearsing the, uh, earlier last week, you know, the Ten Commandments, and I said, Lord, I know that commit, do not commit murder is important. And I know that do not commit adultery is important. And I know do not covet is important. But what about the commandment that's like, uh, every six days, take a day and rest. Take that seventh day and cease from all your labors. When I was growing up, they had what you call blue light days. And in other words, there are certain stores that didn't open on Sundays. There are certain things you couldn't do on Sundays. I couldn't fish on Sundays. Couldn't whistle in the house. Couldn't do this. Couldn't do that. I mean, all type of stuff that you just didn't do on Sundays. Now, we may have listened to the R&B stations uh, uh, six days a week, right? We might have watched the new Luton Crude on TV six days a week, but on Sundays, there's something different about Sundays. Stores were closed. Couldn't do too much on Sundays. People didn't have to work on Sundays. But now, Sunday is no different today than any day of the week. And I just kind of wonder. I look back at Leviticus chapter 26, I believe it is, Leviticus 25 or Leviticus 26, one of those two chapters. But God said, every six years, work and toil the land and work the land and reap from the land. But in that seventh year, I want the land to rest. I'm starting to wonder sometimes, God, did you not just want the whole world to rest? Seems like to me the air is more clearer. Pollution is less. People are now spending time with things that really matter most. I believe God is up to something in this season. And so we asked the question on Thursday night, what is God speaking to you in this season? Because in Psalm 46, the Bible says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raised, the kingdoms moved. And he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. Let me talk to you just for a moment here. The psalmist saw something in Psalm 46. He says, God, in those troubled seasons of our lives, you know how to bring us to a screeching halt. For you are our refuge. Let me remind you, the Bible says that the Lord 
is a strong tower and the righteous run in and are saved. That's why I'm not worried about COVID-19. I'm not worried about what tomorrow holds. I know who holds tomorrow. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the land and a lot of people are fearing, a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknown. But I'm, I'm really not worried about it. We've been through worse times. We've been through all types of challenges. And one thing I've learned, God is our strong tower. The righteous. You have a benefit, my brothers and sisters. You run in and you're safe. So the psalmist goes on to write in Psalm 46. He says, listen, it seems like the world is coming to an end. He says, but then there's, there's God. And he's just like a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And, and the Bible says that it is in the sanctuary, the church, the house of God, that he brings help, he brings relief. But then the Bible says he utters his voice. Verse 6, he utters his voice. Let me pause for a moment here. I wonder what God is saying in this season to the church. What is he saying to our country? What is he saying to the world? What is he saying to you? What are you learning in this season about you as a husband, as a wife, as a fiance, as a mother, as a father, as a, as a stay-at-home mom, as a semi-retiree? What is he saying about you? And then maybe more importantly, what is he saying to you? So Thursday night, right, you can go on our YouTube channel. And by the way, I encourage you to subscribe to the City Church YouTube channel. You can get all type of encouraging messages. If you go out of town and you're traveling, you miss a Sunday, you miss a Thursday night, you can go to the YouTube channel and hear that message in, in its entirety, right? We gave you three things this past Thursday night. Here's what God perhaps is saying right now. Number one, be still. Number two, be encouraged. Number three, be patient. Uh, the Bible says in verse 10 of, of, of Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And I don't think I'm going to get a lot of amens with that one right there because we really don't know how to be still. Not in 2020. We are processing more in a day than our forefathers did in a year back in the 20s and 30s. With internet, with Wi-Fi, with the mobility, the world has gotten really, really small. They say on average, we process more thinking in a day than it took a year back in the 20s and 30s. Think about that for a moment. Everything is fast paced. Everything is 5G. Everything is super light fast. We really don't know how to slow down because there's more money to make. There are more hands to shake. There are more deals to get done. And there are more souls to save. We really don't know how to slow down. So God says be still. And guess what? You and I have no choice in this season but to be still. Number two, be patient. Be patient. God says, Israel, I want you to know one thing about these Egyptians. He says, listen, if you'll stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, Exodus 12, he says, the Egyptians that you see today, you will see no longer forever. Egyptians will always represent in that day and time opposition. Egyptians represent slavery. Egyptians represent bondage. For the children of Israel, some thousands of years ago, Egypt represented a time where they were oppressed. God says, listen, if you stand still and let me do my work, these things you will see no more and forever. Uh, number three, he says, be encouraged. Be encouraged. And I got a scripture for you right there. The Bible says be encouraged. 
Psalm 46, verse 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, a holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. For God is in the midst of her, uh-huh, and she shall not be moved. May I tell you one thing right now about the church? I don't care come hell or high water. The church is not going to be moved. I don't care the politicians. I don't care of the liberal government. I don't care of the unfriendly media. I don't care of any hater, any destroyer. You, you need to be very careful when you say, I'm going to destroy the church. I'm going to help make sure the church doesn't prosper. God takes note of that. Unless you repent, your lives on the earth, your days on the earth are limited. Last time I heard someone who wanted to kill and destroy the church forever, didn't live long enough to see that happen. And so let me just caution you to be very careful about your view and your perspective and your opinion on the church. There's nothing that the White House can do. There's nothing that Congress can do. In fact, Jesus made it very clear. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not destroy the church. And so be encouraged, friends. There's help that comes from the sanctuary. There's strength that comes from the house of God. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. There's a fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. And when all this is said and done, one of the most unique qualities and deliverables of this season will be the increasing of your faith. That is faith in God, faith in his word, and faith to do his will. Let me say that again. One of the things I believe God is speaking in this season is this. I want to increase your faith. I'm pausing purposely for a moment. I want that to sink in. One of the things, if not the main thing, that God is speaking in this season, I want to increase your faith. Not faithful Cadillac, not faithful Alexis, not faithful Lamborghini, but faith for God's will to be done. Faith in God's promises, faith in God's word, faith in the Lord himself. And so I'm purposely just slowing down, just so that sinks in. You know, I, thought, I think often about Isaiah chapter 31. Isaiah 31 said this. It says, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Because their chariots are strong and their, their horses are mighty and their, and their horsemen are many. Woe to them for going to Egypt for help, but they did not look to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, nor regard the things of heaven. I wanted to be very cautious because we can be a little bit too dependent on Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Charlotte Mech School System, our small businesses, the church itself. We can be a little bit de too dependent on our expertise and on our educations and on our, our, our networking abilities and not realize those are wonderful resources, but God is the ultimate source. So woe to them. Be careful when you're so dependent on worldly systems, but not one time did you fall on your knees and pray to the God that provides. We call him Adonai, which means master, ruler, Lord of all. We call him Elohim. He's creator of heaven and the earth. We call him Jehovah Yireh, not J with a gyra, because there was no J in the Hebrew letters. So we call him Jehovah Yireh, the Lord that not only sees the need, 
but he meets the need. Now, every once in a while, as he spoke in the Old Testament, God says, hey, I'm a jealous God. I don't too much care for everyone else to get the praise and everyone else to get the credit, but yet I am the one that gives you life and life abundantly. So I believe that in this season, God is speaking and telling us to be still, be encouraged, and be patient. Let's talk real quick about how to build faith and I get out your way on this Sunday morning. Uh, there are three qualities of faith for better days ahead. Now, I can give you three. I can give you 30. I can give you 300, right? But if you don't believe in the core hardness of your heart, that better days are ahead, these last six, seven minutes will be in vain. You have to believe that better days are ahead. You have to believe. And I think I'm going to go to this other camera for a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost even now. You have to believe, my friends, that better days are ahead. You've been out around the world three or four times and shaking everybody's hand twice. Check mark. You've had a wonderful career in business and corporations. Check mark. Okay. You've got some wonderful academic and scholarly backgrounds and achievements. Check mark. But I want you to know those are the great things that have happened. But the Bible says eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men the things that God shall do. The Bible says that Jesus will complete, Philippians 1 and 6, those things which he has begun in you. And if you're willing to hear this just for the next few moments, I just want to encourage you that, friends, your better day is ahead of you. In fact, may I prophesy and speak directly into your life, your best days are ahead of you. And you'll have to believe that that comes by faith, not by luck. We don't believe in luck, not just by chance, but we have to believe by faith. What do you mean when you say faith, pastor? Well, faith is a conviction or a belief that comes by the hearing of and the hearing of God's word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Now, I, I don't want to domesticate that scripture too much, but faith doesn't necessarily come by the word of God. It just comes by hearing. If you hear that this is going to be a destructive season and you're going to be down and out and you're going to be broke and you're going to lose a house, lose a car, lose a job, and all your friends are going to walk away, well, you keep hearing that and feeding yourself that, that's probably what's going to end up happening. But if you, if you keep telling yourself that my worst is behind me, God's going to provide and God's going to protect and we're going to make through this. What you hear is what you'll believe. So faith is a conviction. Faith is a belief. It comes from the Hebrew word or the Greek word pistos, which simply means a strong conviction. I think the old saints would say it this way. It is a I know that I know that I know that I know. Now, I may not be to articulate it, I may not be able to explain it. I may not be able to rationalize it. But deep down in the city of my soul, I just know that God's going to bring us through. Friends, that's faith. And I believe God gets pleased when you have faith. In fact, Hebrews 11 and 6, Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it's not enough to believe that God exists, but you got to believe that God loves you. And you got to believe that God lives. In fact, every once in a while, I have to remind myself, son, you got to live like God's alive. <laughs> you got to live like God's alive. And this is why I came up in an era in the church where we believe that saints should prosper. We believe that saints, God's children, should dress well and drive well and smell good and, 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 and live well. We believe that. 
Oftentimes in the church, you look at the black church in the Pentecostal holiness church, it seemed like the more poor we were, the more holier we were. The more less influential or affluent, the more godly we were. And so there was this stigma and there was this oxymoronic mindset that if I have any money, if I have any education, if I have any affluence, I must not be saved. You know, I think it was Willie Jennings, one of those country singers that said that money, uh, the, uh, the love, no, no, money was the root of all evil. Well, that ain't the Bible. I've yet to find that scripture. Now, I do know where there's a scripture that says the love of money is the root of all evil. But let's quit making money a devil. Money is not a devil. Money is simply a currency, right? And we need money. Bible says that money answers all things. But somehow or another, we were told that, boy, I tell you, the more money you get, the more, uh, the, the more less saved you are. The more popular you become and the more influential and affluent you are, the less God you have. Well, well boy, that's, that's not encouraging to our young people. That's not encouraging to those who are watching the folk on TV and the, the athletes and the entertainers. And they're going to say, well, hey, if that's the case, I don't want nothing to do with God in the church. Well, no, let's fix this up a little bit here. Paul says, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He said, hey, everybody who got a little money in the church, I want you to command them. Make sure they're always ready to give and willing to share. He doesn't curse money. In fact, Paul says, Timothy, tell the folk in the church, the more money you have, the more willing you ought to be to give and the more excited you ought to be to share. In other words, I want you to have a lot of money, but don't let money have you. That's my next point, but I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. So let's talk just for a quick moment about faith for the family success and faith for strength in the home. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things yet not seen, he moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. For the saving of his household. What are you saying here? By faith, God spoke to, Mo to Noah about preparing for the safety of his family. You know, I believe God's doing that in this COVID-19 season. Many of us are spending more time with our spouses than we have in the last 10 years combined. Talk to me. I've shared with Pastor Sharon earlier this week. You know what? I love this season because it's a bonus round with our kids. I know it's kind of toxic-turvy and it's kind of hit and miss sometimes. A love-hate relationship. You love when the kids come home, but after they eat at your refrigerator, drink all your milk and stretch your socks out, you about ready for them to get on back to college, right? I know how that can be. You love when the kids come home for holidays and, 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 and celebration moments, but man, I tell you, you turn around and realize there ain't but so much room in this house. It's about time you get on back to school. You know, but the truth of the matter is my prayer every morning on bended knees is God give me a word for my kids. Give me something to encourage them. They've got some big decisions they're making about college and about uh, sports and about grad school. And God, help me to affirm them and encourage them. And yeah, the walls get kind of tight. And I kind of get mad finding out that my, my Chick-fil-A my Chick or my uh, Chipotle that I had saved up the leftovers for tomorrow, they're gone. I want to get mad. I want to throw a fit. But that's a part of family. And so in this season, yeah, think about this. We're getting more quality time with our kids and our spouses, more time for prayer, more time to read the Bible without being in a hurry and being on the job site and being in a rush. So God wants to build your faith for your family, building faith for its success, its strength, and its salvation. I believe there'll be more children getting saved in this season in your home than ever before. Some of you all have siblings, brothers and sisters, stepbrothers and sisters, loved ones, aunties, uncles, that now, 
I was talking to uh, Dr. Sheard yesterday, and um, we both agreed that, you know what, uh, 30 days ago, there are all type of great big-time people who probably will have nothing to hear about the Word, hear nothing about prayer. They don't want to know nothing about God's will. But now, people are listening. People want to hear. People are requiring and asking for prayer. In fact, it has been said again two, three weeks in a row now that people are downloading the Bible more than ever in the history of time. Number two, I'm excited about this one. Let's talk about faith for financial security and financial increase. So let me slow down. I got about six minutes left. Let me talk about this one right now. I'm going back to the main camera. I want everybody to hear this really, really close and really, really good. Let's talk about your money. I'm not going to ignore the necessity of finances in this season, not just for the church, but for your home. I'm not going to ignore the fact that 25 million people are unemployed and there are people, there are small businesses, there are corporations and alike. Everyone's looking for some type of relief, some type of bailout. I mean, we just had a $350 billion bailout that was basically gone before it was approved. Now yesterday or a day before yesterday, 400 additional billion dollars. And they're now saying that that's probably going to be gone by this time next week. Man, these are tough times. People are wanting to know how are we going to get our restaurant back up and running? How are we going to get our businesses back up and running? What if I don't get called back to the company or called back to the job? What if there's no unemployment? I want to talk to you about this day and time because the God that we serve has never been indicted for lack of child support. And I need you to know right now that God wants to minister to every one of your needs. You know, I thought about Abel, speaking of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God himself testified of his gifts, and though it being dead, the gift still speaks. You know the story I think about Abel and Cain. The Bible says that Cain gave a leftover offering. Cain gave the worst of his fruit. Abel, on the other hand, gave the first and the best of his offerings. You know what the Bible says? God disrespected Cain's offering and he respected Abel's gift. I know people say all the time, God ain't no respect to person. God ain't no respect to person. He may not be a respect of person, but he is a respect of the gift you give. He says, Abel, you've given a good gift, and I will honor you, and I will respect, and I will bless you. Cain, you get everybody else, all the other obligations, and you brought some crumbs to the church. God says, I, I may respect you, but I disrespect the offering. It requires faith to give in a season like this. It requires faith to sow your seed. It requires faith to honor the Lord with the tithe. Speaking of tithe, I got a scripture I want to give you. And I haven't preached this in years, right? But I want this to encourage you on today. I want you to turn to, to Genesis chapter 15. And, and, and after this we'll close. But I, I want you to hear this. And I'm going to take my time with this one. Because I want, to, I want to draw a parallel of how God will bless you because of your faith and your giving in this season, okay? Uh, Genesis 15 uh, is a very familiar verse of scripture, but I want to read it in its entirety. Verse 1, after these things, listen closely, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield 
I am your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless, and the heir of my house, Eliezer of Damascus? And then Abraham said, look, God, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, not one born in my house is an heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, the one, this one, should not be your heir, but one whom will come from your own body will be your heir. And then God did something interesting. Verse 5, he brought Abraham outside and said, now look toward the heavens, and I want you to count the stars if you're able to number them all. And he said, if you can, so shall be the descendants. And the Bible says something very peculiar in verse 6. And so he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accredited or accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Stay with me, stay with me. A long passage of scripture, but stay with me. So here's the cleft notes, right? Abraham says, God, I really believe you. I know you're good for your word, but the real thing I want, I don't have. I can have a child through uh, the, 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 the handmaiden, but I really want to have a child through my own loins, through Sarah. And so God says, Abraham, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you to have the one thing you've been longing for. In fact, let's go outside and let's take a walk. They go outside in the cool breeze of the night and says, Abraham, look at all of the stars. If you're able to count those stars, not only am I going to give you the child you want, but thousands of years from now, there'll be millions and millions and millions singing Father Abraham and many sons. And many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. In other words, that from your descendants and descendants and descendants, you'll be a father to many. He says, you know what? The Bible says Abraham believed God right then and there. And because of that, God says, your credit, Abraham, is good with me. Now, you know, normally preachers would stop right there. But I want to go a little deeper into that thought process. Let's dig a little deeper into what was going on. So verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 1, started by saying, after these things. Now, let me just talk with you just for a moment. You really don't want to start a chapter with after these things and not figure out what those things were. So in the beginning of chapter 15 in Genesis, you now got to go back to 14 to find out what those things were. Glad you asked. So chapter 14, the Bible says, verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, for he was the priest of God the Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies, Abraham, into your hands. Now, here's an exchange. Abraham says, well, look, if you're going to bless me, I'm going to bless you. So the Bible says, and Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. I'm almost finished. Don't miss this point. There was no tabernacle in that day. There was no temple in that day. There wasn't no Givelify in that day. Wasn't no ATM machines in that day. But the best thing God had representing him in that day was the priest of the Most High. His name was Melchizedek. What do we know about Melchizedek? Well, the Bible says that he had no lineage. We don't know nothing about his mama. We know nothing about his daddy. We know nothing about his lineage. He comes on the scene, but he's representing the priestly he represents the purpose and the presence of God. And this priestly being comes and says, Abraham, 
I just need you to know you a bad boy. Man, all of your enemies have been taken care of. You've walked righteously. You've got faith larger than a mountain. And you would have thought that that would have ended the conversation. Abraham says, you know what? You're right. All that God has blessed me with, here's what I'm going to do. Since there's no tabernacle, since there's no temple, since there's no giblify, I'm going to give a tenth of everything I have, and I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it you the priest of God because it represents the purpose, the presence, and the power of God. Stay with me. So after these things, chapter 15, verse 1, God says, Abraham, I've seen your giving. I've seen your faith. After these things, the word of God came to Abraham in a vision. Point number two, God wants to speak to you in a vision. God will show you a vision of writing off your mortgage for the last time. God will show you a vision of stroking one check and paying for all four years of your child or your grandchild's tuition. God will show you in a vision, an epiphany, a revelation, an invention, a dream of something that he can do for you. Why? Because you honored him with a tenth of all. Tithing is more than a Malachi uh, passage of scripture. Tithing is more than just a practice from the Old Testament found out, carried over to the New Testament. It actually goes back to the building of faith. And this is why I said before, it takes faith to tithe. God doesn't ask for the tip. God doesn't ask for a tax. He asks for a tithe. And tithing does in the kingdom of heaven what taxes do in the kingdom of a government. We pay our taxes to the United States Department of Treasury, and a lot of those tithes goes to nice roads. A lot of those tithes or taxes go to defense and protection on a global perspective. When you tithe, God protects you as taxes do in the government. When you tithe, God provides for you as many are being provided now in this season in this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And so Abraham tithed in chapter 14. God gives him a vision in chapter 15. And what's the first thing God says in that vision? He says, Abraham, you need to know one thing. I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. What is it that I can do for you? Abraham says, the one thing that I want the most, I do not have. I want a child from my own loin. And from my own wife. And God says, not only am I going to give you that child, I'm going to give you even the much more because you asked by faith and he did it. I want to talk to you today about building faith for your family, building faith for your finances. And finally, let's talk about building faith for future moves and future opportunities. The Bible says, Hebrews 11, verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. For he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in the tents of Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I'm finished with the message on today. Let me close and encourage you with these last few words. You know the story in Genesis chapter 12 when the Bible says, Abraham, I want you to get out of your father's house, get out of your father's country, 
In fact, I want you to go into a land that you're not even aware of just yet. I want you to get out of your comfort zones. Get out of what's convenient around you. But it'll be a move of faith. May I submit to you today right now before I take my seat that God is preparing you for a move of faith. I know what he's doing in my personal life. I know what he's doing in my marriage with my wife, Pastor Sharon. I know what he's doing with our children. And all of that requires faith for some future moves. I know what he's doing for this church. And I don't care about COVID-19. doesn't bother me. doesn't matter about the mortgage. It doesn't matter about the bills. And doesn't matter about how this is going to happen and how that's going to happen. God has a purpose and a plan. And therefore, I will not fear. There's a faith move. Tomorrow morning, we start with repairs on our roof. Not the whole roof. Can't afford that yet. But we had to start somewhere by faith. Pastor Stevens, is this really the time to work on the roof? I got to walk by faith and believe God. You're giving and you're giving to the Lord. You're giving to the church. May we show you something in return. Had a great outreach yesterday. Many people were fed and people were blessed. That's not, that's not supposed to happen in a season like this. We've already given a cashier's check certified to the roof as a start in the gym area. That's not supposed to happen in a season like this. But we got to believe God. I can't worry about the, the restructuring of the loan. I can't worry about the remodifying of the bond program. That will come in time. God's going to give the church favor then. But now a move has to be made. When I'm on my knees, Brother David and Brother Crawford, and I'm in prayer uh, in my apartment, uh, uh, one thing I, I pray before I get up is, God, let today be a day where faith is demonstrated. I'm not just talking about it in my mouth. I'm not just talking about in theory. But may today be a day where something happens on the earth where faith is demonstrated. I, I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't, I don't know how to connect the dots. But may something happen today where faith is demonstrated. And that's my prayer for you. Because there's a new move and there's an opportunity that God is opening. So please hear these last 30 seconds clearly. Number one, the Bible says Abraham obeyed without knowing why. True faith, church, is obeying God and not knowing why you're obeying God. Number two, Hebrews 11 says, Abraham, he went out and he wasn't really sure where he was going. So faith is going and not knowing where you're going. Faith is taking a leap of faith and move and not quite sure how you're going to land. Yeah. Number three, finally, faith is that he waited without knowing how long. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Faith is obeying, faith is going, and faith is waiting. And some of you right now, and I'm dealing with a little situation right now in our home, where boy, it's tough waiting. Ooh, we don't like to wait. But faith says, God, I will wait. I'm not quite sure how long, but I'm going to wait. I love what Romans 4 says about Abraham. Romans 4 says in two sentences, with everything I've said in the last 30 plus minutes, pretty much cap, uh, caps, cap, caps, uh, captions. The Bible says Abraham did not waver in his faith through unbelief. In fact, I love when the Bible says, in fact, he was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. For Abraham believed that God had the power 
to do every promise until it was performed. In other words, that God had the power to perform every promise he made. Boy, if I had time, I'd go back to Romans 4 and show you what I wrote down in my notes. You got to know what God's promised you. You have to know what God has said. You have to know what God is speaking in this hour. If you don't know those things, it's going to be hard to walk by faith. But when you know the word of God, I know that he wants my body healed. I know he wants me to live holy. I know he wants me to be successful. I know he wants me to prosper. I know he said he's made me promises he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I know he's made me promises that I am the head and not the tail, above only not beneath. He made a promise that I'd be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. He's made me a promise that, my, my, that, my, my, that I'd never be forsaken, nor my seed beg for bread. When you know the promises of God, like Abraham, you will not waver with unbelief. In fact, you'll go stronger. Your faith grows stronger, for you are fully convinced that God is able to do everything he promised. I want to pray with you before we close out on today. In fact, a little different prayer on today. I want to pray regarding your faith in God, his word, and his promises. Heads about and eyes are closed. Heads about, eyes are closed. And Saint Supreme, Father, as we have heard the word of God, as we remember the scriptures, in Hebrews 11, the Bible says that Abraham obeyed and didn't quite know why. Abraham went not quite knowing what the destination looked like. And he waited, not quite knowing when the deadline would come. But God, as Abraham waited, as he obeyed and as he went, may we too bring pleasure unto you, for it is impossible to please you when we don't have faith. May we have faith in your word today, every promise you've made. May we have faith that it is your will, not our will, but thy will be done. And we may, have, may, may we have faith that you are the God that will reward us. We cancel out every spirit of fear, every snare, every spirit of darkness. We rebuke every curse, every ill will feeling or saying, every spirit of doubt, unbelief. And Father, today we take your word and we hear it. That we too will be successful in our homes, in our families with our finances and for our next future move. Father, I thank you today for coming into the homes, the houses, the dwelling places of every man and woman today. And in fact, may this week be a week where the just shall walk by faith. For you said in the word, be not unbelieving, but be believing. And today, Father, may we walk by faith and not by sight. For the just shall walk by faith. Amen and amen. I hope you're clapping your hands and I hope you're giving God the praise right now. In fact, would you take 10 seconds right where you're at? Come on, we're going to unmute the buttons and we want everybody here, everybody giving God the praise. Let everybody in your house here, you giving God the praise, not man, not the church, but give God the praise for the word. Give God the glory for the word of the Lord for your life. I want you to get your notepad out and begin to take some notes this week about what God wants to do in your life. Begin to dream again. Go back and find the goals and the, uh, the aspirations and the things you want God to do for you. For it shall come by faith. Speaking of faith today, my faith is that you will be liberal in your giving. It's the last week in April. We're trusting God that, God, if you can get us through March, you can get us through April. And if you can get us through April, you'll get us through May. And if you can get us through May, you'll make it, we'll make it through the summer months. 
And I'm just believing that when the whole shutdown global pandemic stay at home mandate is over, when we come back to the church, you talking about a show enough weekend party. In fact, we're going to have something on Saturday and we're going to have something on Sunday. It's going to be a two day celebration. It's going to be a party, man. We're going to have a wonderful time. I'm believing God that when we come back, we will come back with more people than we left out with a few months ago, or a few weeks ago. And so with those things being said, your giving is so vitally important. I know there's a lot of word about essential and non-essential. Please know that your giving is essential. You can see all of the different methods of giving on the screen. You have to walk by faith like Abraham did. He didn't have to give a tenth to Melchizedek, but he did it out of godly fear and respect. Abel didn't probably have to give that offering that he gave, but he did it out of obedience and he gave it out of respect from the word of God. And so I know that right now common sense says, you better hold on all your money, child. I know the world says, oh, we don't know what tomorrow holds, so child, you better hold your money. Let me tell you one thing. Forget what the world and the media says. I want to know what does God say. And God says, if I would sow my seed, God says, if I'm liberal and generous in my giving, that God would bless me and that God would honor me. And he'll show me like he did Abraham a vision of great things to come to pass in my life. So today, thank you for using Giblify. Thank you for using Cash App. Thank you for using the new Zale, Bank of America Zale, with our email address. And then for those of you that just want to use a regular post office, thank you very much. For those of you that are conveniently saying, you know what, just let a couple of deacons swing by and pick up my check, pick up my tithe. Uh, we'll give you a receipt. You'll know within 48 hours in the front office that it has been successfully received. Whatever you do, find yourself on the giving end and on the faith end. I also want to pray with you today about being encouraged today. I hadn't said a lot about being encouraged just to stay in your ground, but keep serving the Lord. Keep living holy. Keep loving on one another. Keep pressing and, and keep, keep moving forward in the things of God and God will bless you. Well, on this Sunday, I say thank you for allowing me and my wife and the city church to come into your home. 